Twice a year, a group of Australians, mainly health professionals, travel to Hanoi, the capital of Vietnam, to teach English to health professionals there. The program is called Hoc Mai, and it's an arrangement between Sydney University Medical Foundation and Hanoi Medical University. I'm Jane Klein, and as a teacher of English, I was part of the Hoc Mai contingent in September of this year. I spoke to several of the group members, including leaders at Sydney University's Emeritus Professor Kerry Goulston and Emeritus Professor Kim Oates. Kim, just what does Hoc Mai mean? Forever learning. Forever learning is a nice concept because the thing that's most amazing is that when we go to Vietnam, we learn. We think we're going there to teach, and we do, but... Most of us think we get as much out of it as we give, which is nice. That's not what it's about, but it's a fringe benefit. So in what way does that happen? Well, we learn a bit about culture. We meet the people. We learn what amazingly friendly people they are. The people we teach are highly talented, very impressive people. So we, we we meet some intelligent, talented people. They like the teaching. Uh, and one of the nice things, which doesn't happen to me in Australia now that I'm in the senior age group, is the people in Vietnam, they like old people. So when I'm walking along the street in Sydney, I'm invisible. But here, people say thank you and they nod and it's pretty nice to be respected when you feel you're an old fogey with not much left. So that's a fringe benefit too. Kerry Goulston, you've been with Hoc Mai since the very beginning and it's been going almost two decades now. How did Hoc Mai come about? In 1998, a radiotherapist donated a lot of equipment over 10 years and paid for it to come up himself. And he came into my office at Royal Shore Hospital and said, can you give me a letter uh, to take to the dean, the president of Hanoi Medical University, which I did, And when he came back, he came back with an invitation from the president of Hanoi Medical University to come up and to Hanoi and meet him, which I did in 1998. And the president was a bloke called Tom Tart Bark, and he was an extraordinary character. He um, was president of the medical school here in Hanoi, but walking with him through the medical school, he knew all the students about a thousand by name and also he was a cardiac surgeon and also he was a non-party member of the Vietnamese uh, assembly and uh, he worked six days a week Uh, and the seventh day on Sunday he'd go up to the ethnic minorities as as a doctor to help them. And that's a fair way out of Hanoi? It's right up near the Chinese border. Uh, a place called Sapa. And the um, problem was we got on very well. Uh, he and I clicked, and uh, that's where the idea was born. He Previously, Vietnam had related to France and Japan and so on. But he thought it would be good to relate between Vietnam and, and Australia, and uh, he saw it as a two-way thing for young healthcare workers, that we'd learn from them and they'd learn from us. Problem was that he drank a lot and I had trouble keeping up with him and he also smoked. So he died in his 60s, uh, but he was loved and revered by... He was given a state funeral. He was a wonderful bloke. 
we became good friends. He came down to Sydney and uh, that's where the idea was born. And uh, and I think Hockmeyer started um, a year or two later and I got Bruce Robinson to be the chairman of it and I was the deputy chair, which didn't mean anything. And it's been going ever since, yeah. So there is a foundation, Hockmeyer Foundation, that oversees the program? There's a Hockmeyer Foundation of the University of Sydney. So people can give money, which is tax deductible, through the university. And uh, we also got some grants from DFAT, that's the Australian Government, uh, which is highly competitive, and uh, that helped too. So we've been going really next year for 20 years, and we'll have a celebration up here in March. So when did the actual visits take shape and start taking place? Uh, almost immediately, 1999. Uh, we sent up some our medical students and young doctors, and then we started bringing some Vietnamese young doctors and nurses down to Sydney for some weeks, and that was the expensive part of it, yeah. So uh, the idea was that a group of medicos and health professionals from Sydney or from Australia came to Hanoi, and what form did the program take in the early years? Uh, we taught uh, at the hospitals and at the Hanoi Medical University. And uh, over the years, uh, there's been hundreds and hundreds of Australian academic clinicians and hundreds and hundreds of Vietnamese young healthcare workers. The, the program was, from the beginning, viewed quite positively by DFAT, by the Australian government. And how, is it, how does it fit in with Vietnamese initiatives? Well, the Vietnamese uh, accept uh, relations and money from many, many countries. Uh, but over the years, we've built up a special relationship, particularly with Hanoi Medical University. Uh, they graduate 600 young doctors every year and nurses and pharmacists. Uh, so it's a big university. It's one of the two top universities in Vietnam. But Hoc Mai, that's part of Hoc Mai. Hoc Mai also has helped uh, places like Da Nang, Ho Chi Minh City uh, and... Uh, um, Many other places. And Mari Bashir came up a few times when uh, she was governor and uh, she wanted to see Dien Bien Phu. And when she was there, she observed that the uh, women who were pregnant were not getting as good care as the ones in Hanoi. So we've also helped there and other towns. Kim Oates, how long have you been involved in the Hock Mai program? We started about 10 years ago. Um, it started, I started because Kerry Goulston and I together, when we both stopped doing full-time work, went back to the university and did some work reviewing. The first thing we did was a total review of the entire medical curriculum, which is a really good process. And we did a number of other jobs. So we got to become friends and Kerry said, you know, I go to Vietnam regularly to teach English. And so I think I did one of those. But after a year or so, we decided we met with the medical educators in Hanoi, the dean and, the, and other senior people, and said, what do you want? And they said, what we really want 
is uh, medical education and research as well as English. And so we set up an advanced course in medical education and research. And that involves, we've been doing it I think for seven or eight years now, uh, that involves first of all interviewing about a hundred people who were selected by Hanoi Medical University as being people with future leadership potential uh, and we pick about 25 of those people and they're the people that are in the course. We select them on, they've got to have good English because we can't teach in Vietnamese so we pick them on their English language, their motivation to make a difference to healthcare in Vietnam and their good academic track record. So these are really smart people. And then we, six times a year, we send a couple of people, academics, clinical academics, usually from Sydney University, to teach in Vietnam. And that sometimes that teaching is over an entire weekend or sometimes it's every night for a week because these people have full-time jobs in the day. And as well as that, we then bring them to Sydney for an intensive immersion. And that immersion usually takes the form of, of one week of teaching, and that's interactive teaching. We use role play and, uh, and we do enact clinical things as well as imparting information. Then usually a week of being attached to a clinician from, from the university in their own specialty. Because the people we teach, we bring down, come from a variety, variety of specialties. So we'll have, a group might have an ophthalmologist, a pathologist, a radiologist, a neurosurgeon, a whole mix of people. And so we, we teach them generic things, which I'll get onto in just a moment. And so that second week, they spend attached to... So the ophthalmologist spends a week with an academic ophthalmologist. They shadow them, they talk to them, they build a relationship with them. And the hope is that then there'll be an ongoing relationship when they've gone back. And many of them do. So they keep in touch by email, they do mutual visits. And so that's part of the forever learning process. And then the third week, again, we have an intensive teaching. And we have a lot of fun, a lot of social activities. Uh, but what we teach through the whole course is stuff they don't get in the medical course. So the, the, the medical course in Hanoi is a bit like the medical course I had when I was a student a few years ago. So in those days, the professor stood up at the front of the class, read, read out notes or gave a talk. We wrote it down. At the end of the year, we turned up for an exam and we wrote down the answers. And that's not a really good way to learn. And the course in, in Vietnam is still like that. And a fair bit of communist doctrine is part of the course as well. So we teach generic things. We teach things like uh, leadership, um, evidence-based medicine, how to read a journal article carefully, um, hospital management, how to cope with change, uh, patient safety, which is now a national priority for the country, are things that they all see. Uh, and they, they, they appreciate that, I think. As well as the advanced course, the Hokmai program also includes visits to a number of hospitals around Hanoi. Who organises this? Here is Grace McLeod. I work as the project um, officer, so I sort of coordinate the, the program. And that means um, working with the different hospitals here in Hanoi, um, the Hanoi Medical University, and of course all the teachers who come out from Australia. So it's basically just making sure that everyone's ready to um, 
uh, receive our teachers and and also I help um, Professor Goulston organise hospital visits in the morning. So it's a lot of emailing back and forth and then finally when we get here I get to meet everyone I've been emailing. Uh, how many hospitals, how many different departments are you dealing with? Yeah, so six hospitals this time around. So we've got um, uh, E Hospital, which is a general hospital, K Hospital, a cancer hospital, the National Children's Hospital, um, and we've got a geriatrics hospital, um, St Paul Hospital, which is a general hospital again, and HMU Hospital, um, or, or Back My Hospital, which is a general hospital as well. So um, there are um, many different departments that we visit in these hospitals um, in, the, in the mornings, but we, we teach medical English at six hospitals. And what happens in the visits? What happens is we usually take um, one or two um, specialists, um, say gastroenterologists, to visit the gastroenterology department. Um, they usually, at the, the gastroenterology department or whichever department usually requests that the, the visitors give a presentation to their staff um, their hospital staff. So it usually involves a, a tour of the department or the hospital and also a, a brief presentation where um, the, the audience can ask questions to, to whoever is presenting. And then are there ward rounds involved? Yes, yes, occasionally there are ward rounds, um, which is really interesting for both the specialists and, and anyone who wants to accompany. Um, and we find that the patients are often quite grateful, or they, they appear to be grateful that um, they've got a team of, of foreign medical professionals visiting them. Um, and, and we're obviously very grateful to them to allow us to come in and, and, and see them in, in the hospital. And as well, members of the Hockmai group uh, go to some of the hospitals in the afternoon and uh, give some English classes. The University of New South Wales Associate Professor of Medicine, Chris Picorni, has also been much involved with the Hockmai program. Uh, Chris, just what's involved with the teaching? Teaching um, involves groups of people who are selected as future leaders of, of um their various fields, medicine, nursing. Um, and the main focus is on teaching them English or trying to get them to speak more English. Most of them can communicate, um, but they have, they have trouble sort of understanding... Or, sorry, speaking the, the um, English words. They can all read it, they can write it, but can't pronounce it, and that's what our main focus is. Of course, it's in a medical context, um, teaching them English in a medical context. Now, that can be done in various ways. Some of us role-play, for example, say, you know, I might go in and say, look, I've got chest pain, would you like to ask me questions to try and establish the cause? Um, other times I go in and ask them what they've done that day, what patients they've seen, and to tell me about their patients. I'm also involved in various other things. Um, as with you, Jane, you... Um, do a great job organising the, the nursing course. I'm getting more and more involved with the medical side of things. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll continue to do this for many, many, many years to come. The other aspects, apart from the teaching, is we go to the hospitals um, in the mornings. Uh, various people go to various departments. As a gastroenterologist, I go to the gastroenterology department and take some other people who are, who are interested in coming. We do ward rounds. Um, see some, some patients and conditions that we just don't see in Australia. Going in the hospitals too, how they manage all these patients is, is extraordinary. They, they, you may have two or three people in the same bed. 
families around them helping, but um, it's, it's incredible to see. Although I said the state of the wards is very difficult with many patients in the one bed, I also have been to their endoscopy unit and the state of the art in some cases, or the, the hospital, the main hospital we go to, it's better than some of our units in Sydney. It really is in a state of the art. So, And they're also very good. They're, they're intelligent, they're, they're um, very experienced, they're equal to anybody in Australia medically. I, I really believe that. Grace McLeod, tell us about the participants, the Australian people in the Hockmai group. What sort of backgrounds have they got? What are they? Well, mm, well it's quite a mix. There are 35 um, visitors, 35 teachers who've come out from Australia. We have, majority have a medical background. Um, and that also includes um, nurses. So we have nurses, we have midwives, we have all kinds of specialists from oncology, geriatricians, we've got um, gastroenterologists, infectious disease specialists, um, all kinds of things, emergency physicians. And then we also have, um, for example, a number of Vietnam veterans who um, visit Vietnam regularly um, and, and we also have, have teachers, um, English as second language teachers, um, and, and also just friends and family of, of, of for example, Professor Goulston, who's very well connected. So it's a real mixed group, but we always make sure that we have, um, m- you know, mostly um, people with a medical background. Professor Kerry Goulston, how have the groups changed over the years? So we twice a year we have a group of over 30 who come up all at their own expense and teach. Uh, we kicked off, we had four or five coming up but now people want to come they enjoy it they have fun and they know they're contributing to vietnam included in the group are doctors nurses lay people and over the last five or six years a number of vietnam veterans australian vietnam veterans who want to give something to vietnam how have you seen the program develop it's changed in the sense that uh, we had a A planning work day about eight, nine years ago with the academics here in Hanoi. We came up and had a working session for a day as to how we could best help them. And number one, they said, was to learn medical English, English in a medical setting, because they could all read English, but they weren't very good at speaking and understanding it. And to get a trip overseas to another country on a scholarship and so on, they had to be better at English. So out of that, we started teaching English in a medical setting. And then later on, we related to the nurses in the program that you're running at the moment, uh, which was set up by Hanoi Medical University to teach uh, English in English, teach some good young nurses. So we've been doing that for some years. Grace McLeod, what happens when the uh, Vietnamese advanced course students come to Australia? So um, we usually select about 20 um, doctors and nurses um, once a year to visit Sydney. What that program involves is two weeks of tutorials. So it's sort of nine till four, nine till five of of tutorials um, 
to do with the sorts of topics I mentioned before, um, leadership skills, public health and, and other health topics. And then also one week of clinical attachment in their area of, of expertise or their area of interest. Um, so it's a three-week stay in Sydney. It's usually based at, um, well, it's always based at Royal North Shore Hospital. Um, and the placements can be um, in that hospital or another hospital such as Sydney Eye Hospital, the Dental Hospital um, and, and this year Concord Hospital. Kerry Goulston, what kind of results does the overall HOCMI program have? It's very hard to judge, uh, very hard to judge, but it's interesting that the what we call HOCMI fellows, that's people with, in the program in Australia, um, for example, the three big hospitals in Hanoi are now run by previous HOCMI fellows and so are many departments in the hospital. So it's helped their careers. Hmm. And how does English, learning a lot of English, help them in their careers? Well, English is now the international language for healthcare workers throughout the world. And recently, uh, about four or five years ago, Vietnam dropped French and started teaching children English as their second language. So now the children are teaching Vietnamese how to speak English. It's become well known in uh, Vietnam health, health. And so tomorrow morning, for example, we're interviewing 100, 120 young doctors and nurses and we will, they've been selected by uh, the academic leaders here in Hanoi and we'll interview them very carefully and we look at their... CV, their references, and um, we judge their English and their commitment. Out of that, we'll probably pick 40 out of 120, and they'll form a group of who are potentially future leaders in Vietnamese healthcare. And we come up for some days and teach them, that small group, we used to teach them at six o'clock at night, but they were they were worn out because they work so hard during the day. So now we come up for a weekend at their request. We send two or three uh, doctors or nurses up here to teach, and if they're committed, then we select uh, about twenty of them to come to Sydney for three weeks after nine months of learning up here. And how many fellows then, Hockmai fellows, have been through this program? Probably about roughly three or four hundred. Mm. That makes a difference to the Vietnamese health system. Well, I think it does, because the graduates from Hanoi Medical University go to other towns eventually uh, to run health care in those towns. Yeah. Professor Kim Oates, have you noticed anything much changing as far as the Vietnamese medical courses go as a result of the Hoc Mai program? Well, not a lot. It's really interesting. So in Sydney, each medical school sets its course. In Vietnam, the, the central government determines the course, and that's why communist doctrine is set as part of the course. So at one stage, we introduced, and they incorporated this into the course, we introduced um, uh, Scorpio, which is a type of, of teaching, so we, we introduce new, te- new ways of assessment, assessing and examining. And they've been introdu- introduced into the course. We were pleased because we were surprised they got it in. So we didn't actually change the content, which is set, but we changed the way the course is, is assessed and examined. 
Um, well, that's but, actually quite a feather in the cap of the program. It was quite good. It was fun. And, and they, st they still do it. Uh, so they've taken a lot of this on uh, and they're very keen to do research. So that's why we link them up with researchers but also teach them research methods. They're very busy. They don't have a lot of time for research but they have a lot of clinical material so that's why we try to link them with an Australian researcher who's got maybe the technology and the experience and the people in Vietnam have the number of the, the patients and, and together they can work together and hopefully we'll be getting joint publications. And the other reason why we like them to, to communicate in English is because it's the language of medicine. There's a, and some of them publish their, their work, but they really only publish it in the Hanoi Medical Journal, which is in Vietnamese, so it's not read around the world. So you'll never get an international reputation about how good you are unless you publish internationally. So, and some of them will be scholars in other countries, so we want them to be good at English. So I was teaching... Um, last year, I think, with Professor Diane Campbell, who's a paediatric allergist. So she was talking about allergy, everybody sees it, which is that's a generic thing. And she said there's a really good paper on allergy from Vietnam, one of the very best in this particular area. And she was letting them know very nicely that she'd read their work. One of the young doctors in the audience put a hand up and said, I wrote that. So, so that just shows you the, the depth, the talent of the young people we do. And and we sometimes forget that because they're not as fluent in English as we are, but many of them are much smarter than we are. Now, a lot of the people who take part from the Australian point of view in the program uh, do it uh, pro bono? Yes, no one gets paid for it. So there are two ways of funding. The, the English program that, that you come on to, to teach, Medical English, everybody funds themselves. The advanced course... We started it on donations, and we got some generous sponsors and donors. Some are still supporting us. And then we got grants from DFAT, the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, for several years. Uh, at the moment, this year, we don't have a grant. And we're not sure, because DFAT's budget has been cut so much, and they keep changing their funding priorities. So we'll probably keep doing it, we'll keep doing it on, on donations. Mm. And uh, it's really... If anybody wants to invest in a great cause, the Hock Mai Foundation, which is, by the way, is tax-deductible through Sydney University, it's a tax-deductible charity, but it's a terrific way to make a difference. And it does make a difference. Yeah, I think it makes a real difference to these, these people. Oh. And so we're, not, we're sort of interested in making a difference to them, but the other part of the agenda is making a difference to the health of the people of Vietnam. And that's why we've picked future leaders... The, you know, we, we're picking the people who are going to be the leaders of the future. So last night I was talking about leadership and talking about the new style of leader and what good leaders do and how there's got to be a transition from the old style of clinical leader where the doctor was like God and did everything. And they said, oh, yeah, we've still got them here. And I said, yeah, we've still got some too. But, but to be leaders who, who put the patient firmly at the centre, leaders who... Uh, you know, who, who, who manage their team, not just dominate their team. And I think they'll get it. They'll get it. They're, the, they're the ones that will make the change. So, so as well as helping them, I think we hope, in a way, we're helping the people of Vietnam as well. There's more information on the Hock Mai Foundation at sydney.edu.au. Thank you for listening. And from all of us here at Wellbeing, we wish you well.